This is Real Ghost Stories Online. I am Tony Bruski. Thank you for joining us. We do appreciate it wherever you may be finding us. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever platform you are listening to our show on. We are very, very grateful for you and very, very grateful if you're uh, one of the uh, folks out there who are sharing the love, letting everyone know about the show on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, leaving a comment for us, subscribing. All of that helps the show. It helps us grow. It helps us become uh, one of the most popular sources online for real ghost stories. And that's kind of, that's kind of what we're striving to do. We, you always got to have a clear goal whenever you set out to do anything at all. And uh, the clear mission of this show is to be the premier choice for real ghost stories uh, online in a radio form. If you will. So, we of course uh, could not do it without you guys. You guys deciding to send us your ghost stories, share those stories with us on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online if you have one. And, and now, check this out. You can now actually call into the show and share your ghost story with us verbally. Anytime, anytime, 24 7. The phone number is 855-853-4802. Again, 855-853-4802. You can call in and share your story with us uh, on our message system. We may play your story back on a future episode. Maybe call you back and uh, do a little chit-chatting one-on-one about uh, your ghost story. So many ways for you to share your ghost stories with us online at realghoststoriesonline.com. Or call us and share the ghost story at 855-853-4802. It is a toll-free call, and we love to hear your ghost stories, all right? Let's go to one of those ghost story callers and uh, and hear a real ghost story as we get into the show today. Some really good letters. But to kick it off, let's go to a caller. Hello, you are on Real Ghost Stories online. Let's hear your story. Above my grandmother's house, there's, right now there's an apartment. It's vacant. No one's lived there for a while since my aunt moved out. When my dad was younger. He had a dog. Okay. His name was Buffy. Buffy wasn't scared of nothing. Uh-huh. Buffy went after the mailman through the window. Uh-huh. Buffy wouldn't go into this one room in the corner of the house upstairs. And my dad was like, come on, come on. He was about to go to bed, and my dad was like, come on, get in the bed, Buffy. Buffy never missed a chance to hop in the bed. So Buffy covered outside the door. Dad falls asleep, starts having this dream, and has this dream about this one guy, comes up, starts talking to him, and as he leaves away, he has like a old, like, kind of like a mountie hat, kind of like the Amish wear almost, takes it off, throws it at my dad. My dad catches it, he wakes up. And when he woke up, the hat was in his hand, and he sees across the room, like, just a ghostly figure. Goes to my grandmother, tells him, tells her the entire dream. My grandma's face went white. My dad has never met one of his uncles. He explained in perfect detail how one of his uncles dressed, the exact same hat that he wore, and everything. And the uncle's coming back to help out. Isn't that interesting? That's where you really, you take a step back. Because there's so many ways you can skepticize looking at a ghost story. You can go, well, you know, maybe the person, uh, there's something uh, 
psychiatric going on. Something mental is going on. And I don't mean mental as in, you know, real nothing, anything negative. But there are episodes where people can hallucinate for various reasons. And you can go, okay, well, you saw this figure there and you thought it was a ghost. Okay. And people will brush it off going, oh, there's something that went on in the person's mind at that time. They were projecting something out there. Blah, 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 blah. But how do you project something out there? And what you're projecting out there is something that you've never seen before, but in great detail it resembles someone who had once occupied that same space you are seeing that individual in. That's one of those things that you really got to wonder. The other day my wife asked me, she's like, do you believe in reincarnation? And I said, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know. And it's not me saying I don't believe in it. It's saying I don't know the answer to it. There are so many cases out there, especially with children, where children will know information that they otherwise did not pick up in any other place. And it's it's corresponding to accurate information of someone who is deceased. And it's either information of that person's life, as if that person was that child, uh, or they're someone who knew of that individual. And it just, it really makes you wonder about what exactly happens afterwards. We said this the other week on the show. You know, we, we, well, we're always trying to search for answers on this show as to what the paranormal is, what it is that we're seeing, that people see, that people are experiencing. What is going on here? There's far too much of it going on to ignore it and brush it off and say, oh, it's, it's uh, an episode of, of this mental disorder or that mental disorder or this psychiatric, uh, psychological disorder. Or you know, I mean, some of those are certainly, there are certainly psychological and psychiatric problems in this world that people think they're seeing ghosts and there really is nothing there. It is, you know, truly something that's wrong with the individual. But there are far many more, I, I think, out there where it is, there is something going on and we don't know what it is. And we try and figure out the answer to that of the show. We get these stories and we share these stories and we're searching for the answer, but we end up with more questions before we actually get to that answer. That's really what the show has been doing as we're, we're on to episode 11 now, and I'm just getting more and more questions and I'm more and more unsure of everything that I thought I believed when it came to the paranormal. I always believed there was something out there, but it kind of had, you know, sort of a narrow focus. I think initially I thought, oh, okay, there's good ghosts, there's bad ghosts. Said and done, right? And then you start hearing more and more stories. You're like, okay, well, there's ghosts or paranormal activity where it seems to be going in a pattern. It seems to be something that is reenacting the same situation over and over and over. Is that a conscious entity or is that not a conscious entity? Then you have things that are going in pattern that do seem to have some sort of consciousness to them. And then you have things that are going on that have absolutely no repetition. They're just kind of showing up whenever, wherever, in different places and doing different things with different people. So what is all of this? And you have the negative and you have the evil and you have the good. And so what is going on here? There's clearly a lot more out there than we know about. But to sit there and say, ah, oh, it's there's, I don't believe in that. I think that's fairly ignorant to say, you know, I guess that's the safe route to take. And it's because I guess what you don't know won't hurt you. And if you adamantly believe in something, the boogeyman or whatever it is in your world, and there's so many things you can deny. But that's the scariest thing about life. And I think that's what when you open up your mind to this, so many things and, and you're your perception of what's really going on around you, even outside of the paranormal, 
it can be a really scary proposition, but once you embrace it and try to just learn from it and don't view it as a scary thing, you become a much more well-rounded individual and much more, I think, balanced on, on everything you do and everything you view in life because you're open to those ideas and thoughts. That's my rant. I don't know where it was going. I, I kind of know where it was going, but that's... Uh, that's that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay. We uh, have uh, some great letters to share with you today here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We'll get to those in just a few seconds. Let's do another call. What do you say? I think a good call would be another one before we jump into some of those letters. By the way, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, where else we got this thing going on? YouTube. We got the show all over the place, and we do appreciate you subscribing to the show. Of course, share with your friends as well. That's also about sharing the love and making the show bigger and better than it has ever been before. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you are on the air at Real Ghost Stories Online. There's a, a road called Proskarian. Okay. And you drive down the road, and on the left-hand side, there's a house called the Devil's House. And it's been there for like 30 years or so. Why is it called the Devil's House? Because you go inside, and there's satanic markings everywhere that is, is it dead. like just some abandoned house or what yeah it's okay. like dead animals everywhere okay so one night me and my friends were driving by it and you know like you park in front of it and you're supposed to feel the chills of the house or whatever uh-huh. but as we're driving by we look in the window and there's a lit candle okay and then we we pull around we come back and we pull in the driveway and the candle's out okay so then we were thinking about going in the house, but as we were walking up to the house, we heard a door open and close. So then we got back in the car. And <laughs> I don't blame you for taking off. I wouldn't even have pulled into the driveway. Yeah, but it was just a manly thing to do with a bunch of us guys, and then we got all chickened out and took off. I think anyone would have chickened out. I wouldn't feel uh, too degraded or anything if I were you. It's one of those things where you... Uh... You start looking at the satanic rituals and the symbolism, and that's where you almost get more apprehensive about who I think you may find there versus what you may find, at least in my opinion. Uh, A couple years back, and this was on a previous episode, we broadcast um, the Graveyard Ghost Investigation I went on with Chad Lewis in Wisconsin, in Appleton, Wisconsin, and we went down uh, into a graveyard uh, and by the river that, that runs through this graveyard was a series of grottos. Uh, it was just kind of like a hiking trail, if you will, and these grottos were there. Very interesting. Uh, anyway, they had the, 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 the various you know, stages and scenes of the cross that were there at one time, but they kept having problems with these grottos in the 70s. People were going there and performing satanic rituals on them. Uh, church eventually said, okay, uh, bad idea. We probably just, we're not going to battle this. They took the figurines, blessed them, buried them. But the grottos themselves, the altars, if you will, still exist in this woods, and you can walk through them, and it's creepy as hell. Um, when we're walking through there at night in the dark with flashlights, with an audio recorder, I wasn't so scared of some evil entity, if you will, coming out uh, the, uh, out of the, one of the altars or something of that nature. I was more scared of who I was going to find 
messing with an altar or trying to do something with it. We found uh, written in sticks the words L-I-V-E or letters L-I-V-E, live. Uh, and there was various things on some of these altars that were just rather questionable. And you just didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was just afraid I was going to interrupt someone or some, you know, someone's ceremony. And uh, they weren't going to take too kindly to it. But you never know. I never know exactly what you're going to find. Then if you do jump into the, the paranormal area of that, uh, some very dark stuff, uh, I think, can be found uh, when you start uh, digging into to those areas. Let's go to a, uh, a caller. I want to remind, not a caller, a letter. I want to remind you uh, to please subscribe to our show, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it may be. You're subscribing, you're sharing, you're commenting on the show, giving us some feedback. So, so, so much appreciated. Uh, and it helps our show grow and it helps us uh, reach more people. More people see us, hear about us. And it gives uh, us a better show that we can give you uh, in turn. The show's done pretty much out of love for the topic. Um, and I, I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as uh, I enjoy uh, producing the show every week. So let's go to a listener ghost story. It's just submitted to us at realghoststoriesonline.com. You can, of course, submit yours there as well. Or you can always call in a ghost story. The phone number to do that is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. This comes to us from JP. JP writes, This ordeal turned a very religious, anti-paranormal family and discerned believers. Here it goes. My story happened between 1986 and 1987. My father bought a farm in the Free State Providence, which the locals called... Gimpandi. It is Sotho for the place where the blood flows. The first week or so, everything went without incident. I was about three at the moment, so this story was partly what I remember and mostly what I've been told. Around the third night in the new farmstead, there came a knock at the master bedroom window. My dad opened the curtain and found no one. Just as he got into bed for the second time, there it was again. But this time, from the kitchen, at the other end of the house. So my dad got up again to find no one there. As it turned out, as he turned his back on the door, all hell broke loose. The knocking started again, but went in a rapid succession from one window to the other, covering the whole house. As my dad gathered all of us together, it suddenly started hailing stones. It went on like this for the rest of the night, until the first African plovers started their calls in the morning. Suddenly, all went completely silent. Apparently, it did not only torment us as the owners of the farm. The farm workers, who were left the next morning, didn't want to start work out of fear for the tokoloshi which is otherwise known as a small creature used by witches to cause a haunting that they believe was responsible for the phenomenon many of the farm workers left the same day things slowly escalated from there on as if testing my parents tolerance to its presence I started calling for my mom's lots of times while playing 
bathing, etc., telling her to make the uncle leave. Only for her to find that no one was there. Other spirits also started walking around the house and garden. I believe that these were former owners and inhabitants of our farm. They appeared to be wearing clothes from the early 1900s. There was an older gentleman around in his 60s smoking a pipe. The smell of pipe smoke would sometimes fill the living room. Together with a young man around his early 30s haunting our house. On bright sunshine days, a woman also around her 30s would be seen cutting roses from the formal rose garden. A young girl, judged by her height to be around five years of age, running around her mother, both of them wearing bonnets, as was the custom in the earlier part of the century. A few nights later, most of my family awoke due to the activity her hearing the neighing of horses in the old stone corral. There was the sound of hooves on the ground, the muted voices of men talking or discussing something, the sound of the heavy old iron gates being swayed open, followed by a voice calling, Vorwarts main! It roughly translates from Dutch to charge men. The horses would then bolt from the open gate, circling the house, accompanied by the sound of horse whips being used to encourage the horses to run faster. This usually lasted around 30 minutes every night. The creepy part is that the corral was used by the Boers during the Anglo-Boer War of 1899. There's also some British graves in the middle of one of the cornfields as reminders of a Boer victory during some unnamed battle during the year 1900. One day my mother cried out in fear. Our healthy Borboral dogs were lying on their backs with their eyes turned back in their sockets, their mouths foaming. At first, my parents thought they were poisoned. My father fetched the pickup to put them on the back and rushed towards town to take them to a vet. To a vet. Just as my father exited the gates at the border of the farm, the dogs suddenly got up and acted like nothing was wrong. This then continued countless more times, the dogs being immobilized for up to 15 minutes. Things quickly got worse from this point onward. The stone throwing escalated, the sound of stones raining on the corrugated roof got worse, and it started finding human targets to throw stones at. My father and my 17-year-old brother were on the patio one evening, and we started to get used to it, as it had not hurt any of us this time. Suddenly, a stone hit my brother in the forehead, immediately forming a bump. My father and brother both described the sound as a high-pitched whizzing noise, as if shot from a slingshot. The next day, my father installed strong spotlights around the house and cut all of the lovely fruit trees surrounding the house down in an attempt to catch the culprits, but to no avail. Everything continued as usual with no one in sight. It seemed as if the rocks were being thrown materialized from the air. As, this stra- as it sounds very strange, it started to focus on my brother. He stayed in his own room and bedroom and flat for about ten minutes from the main house. As he only had three bedrooms, and we were four children. He was studying for a year and exam when something unseen but hairy and touchable started attacking him from his back. My brother was into bodybuilding at that stage, and already had a big burly build 
Then suddenly something started strangling him for 25 minutes. On and off, an epic struggle ensued. When he finally broke loose from the creature's grip, he was covered in blood and looked like he was strangled using a garrotine wire, his chest cut by claws or blunt metal blades. Today, in his 40s, he still bears the scars on his chest. He was not only a victim, as it turned out. My mom was lying on the bed, reading as she usually did around the afternoon, when suddenly she became paralyzed by something unseen. Shortly thereafter, a bulldog just appeared in the bedroom door. My mother said it felt like eternity as she soaked in every detail of the entity. It was a dog, but he had white spots between his eyes, whereas ours had black masks. His face was tinted reddish pink, as if by blood, red slime dripping from his mouth. The dog then started to proceed towards her, jumping on the bed and then climbed onto her, pinning her down and paralyzing her, staring her in the eyes. After what must have felt like an eternity, he just jumped off and left the room. It happened a few more times, even at night with my father next to her, being paralyzed. She could not alert my father. My aunt, being a stout Protestant Christian, came to visit as she did not believe the accounts related to her by relayed to her by her mother. My niece, who was around 15 at the time, came with her. The first night being there, activity was a bit quiet. My sister and my niece were sitting on the bath that evening when a stone came flying through the window, cracking the bath between them. The first stone seemed to act like a catalyst as the now normal activity immediately resumed. My aunt decided to brave the night and sleep over. When we woke up the next morning, my aunt and niece were gone. They packed their bags in the middle of the night and drove the nearly 400 kilometers home. I actually admire her for her bravery as she had to go outside to walk the 20 meters to her car. She said something had happened in the spare bedroom shortly after switching the lights off. Until this day, she refuses to tell us what exactly did happen. Although the activity usually started around dusk and continued until the first African plovers called in the early morning hours, activity started to happen during daylight hours. There would be whispering around the house, two dark shadows moving throughout the house. These same two dark shadows also circled the house every night. We believe they were the cause for the poltergeist activity. It is actually reported by the natives that the Tokoloshis usually worked in pairs. The only time activity now ceased was when the police or people who did not have a close bond to the family visited, immediately resuming after they left. It was also at this time that spontaneous fires started around the employees' homes. It started out almost as if harmless, but one day some of the employees came bashing at the doors, screaming that one of the other workers' house was burning down with flames already seeping through the windows. He was on leave, and the door was locked from the outside with a strong deadbolt. When the door was finally opened, they witnessed that the edges of the kitchen cupboards were burning. After the flames were distinguished and all the smoke subsided, they were shocked to find that there was no damage apart from the burst windows and smoke damage. My parents now got desperate as my father had put all of the savings and a deposit on the farm. Selling it then would have financially ruined my parents. The church did not seem to care. Besides, they alleged that my parents did this for attention. 
My parents used to be respected people in town as my father was head of the traffic department and a beacon in the church. Suddenly, people laughed behind their backs. Most of the town had abandoned my family at this stage. Some even accused my brother of staging it all. My dad now was being fed up of nothing working and contacted a traditional African witch doctor from another town he had heard of. When the witch doctor came in, he first asked for a glass of water. Looked into it and told my father things of a very personal nature very few people knew of, certainly no one in the town we stayed at. The witch doctor started to perform a cleansing ritual before he removed a few boxes filled with stuff like fingernail clippings and hair. He then went on to tell my dad that the previous owner had put a curse on the farm and he was upset because he went bankrupt and wanted no one else to stay for too long. The night after the cleansing, a storm came up. But instead of thunder, there was a crying baby, very freaky. The wind blew from one border fence of the farm to the other, about 1,500 hectares. And then almost everything stopped as suddenly as it started. Most would not believe me, but trust me, sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Thank you uh, for that letter, JP. We do appreciate it. Very freaky story, but reminiscent of uh, some of the other stories I've heard in the past where you have something demonic, something otherworldly that is inhabiting a, a building or a family circle, if you will. You hear the stories of rocks raining, very common, uh, animals or figures of animals being involved. Uh, and then the manipulation uh, of people's emotions with things like a crying baby, things that a human would normally be very concerned about and try to help and try to comfort can sometimes be used as a catalyst for bringing that human uh, to an area that they otherwise should not be because there's no real baby there. Um, interesting. Very interesting story. Um, some elements of it kind of reminded me of some of the, the stories with The Conjuring or or the... The, the real story of The Conjuring, which is one of those, those ghost stories we, we've heard. Uh, we talked to Andrea Perrin on an earlier episode, and, and she shared a much more dark, dark story than, than the movie ever even portrayed with some of those similar elements to them. Uh, so uh, very, very interesting interesting story. Thank you for that letter. If you have a real ghost story, we would love to hear it. You can share it with us through our website, realghoststoriesonline.com is the place you can send those stories or you can even call them in now we have a phone number a toll-free number you call you leave your story on a message for us this phone number is 855-853-4802 855-853-4802 call in and uh, leave us your real ghost story right there. We may use it on a future episode. Please subscribe. That's what helps our show grow. Uh, lots of you have been doing that, and I thank you so much for that. Uh, we are going up and ranking on iTunes by the day uh, in the uh, the sciences and the natural sciences section. We're in the top 10 as of the time we're recording the show. So I really, really do appreciate that. More love you can show. Uh, we, we so much appreciate it. Share it with your friends as well. We're trying to make this show as best as it can possibly be for you.
Before we wrap up, let's go to another ghost story caller. Hi, you are on Real Ghost Stories Online. A couple years back, about three, maybe four years ago, I moved into a house, and one night, it was, well, it wasn't actually night, it was around 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I was uh, laying down in bed watching a movie, and my kids were in the other room asleep. And I seen my son's hand go down below the door because there was a gap between the floor and the door. And I told him to get in his room and go back to bed. Yeah. And he wouldn't respond to me. So then I see my son's face, what I thought was my son's face, underneath the door. So I said, all right, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get you now. Uh Well, I swung open that door. He wasn't there. So I went to his door, opened up the door. Him and my daughter both were asleep, okay? So you don't know what you saw. I'm pretty sure it was a boy. Now, about two months after that happened, then my son came into my room at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, said he was playing with a boy, and he punched him in his stomach. I said, go back to bed. And he said, no. Are you serious? That some boy just punched him in the stomach. He raised up his shirt, and there was a fist print in my son's stomach. Oh, my gosh. That was that happened maybe three, four years ago, maybe. And are you guys still in the same house? No, we moved out of there about three months after that happened. That was probably a good move. Probably a very good move, especially when you have children. If you see something physically going on to them, I don't know how you could stay in the house, you know, for for a day. Obviously, there's financial obligations. You know, the other the options living under a bridge and staying in the house. You're you know, going to stay in the house until you can get out of there. But that would be, I think, the worst case scenario as a parent. Where what on earth is going on? What if you love the house too? You hear that story so often, where we got the dream house. It's the mansion we've always wanted, or just the cozy little cottage we've always wanted, and it's had so much character and had been around for so long. And we're thinking about the families who used to live there, and then. A claw mark started appearing on my children's chests. <laughs> it kind of, kind of ruins the whole coziness of the home when that starts happening now, doesn't it? If you have a real ghost story, we would love to uh, love to hear it. Please, you can call it to us anytime, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. You leave it for us, and then we may broadcast it on a future show. So give us a call. Share your ghost story there. 855-853-4802. Or you can always email it to us uh, through our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. You click that Tell Us Your Ghost Story button at the top of the page. You send us your letter, and we may use it on a future episode of real ghost stories online of course please do share we love the love that you give us every single week that's what makes this show possible uh the fact that you're telling your friends about it the fact that you're commenting on it the fact that you're subscribing to the show on itunes stitcher and youtube uh that's uh that is the biggest thing that's keeping our show alive if you will so please keep that up and uh, please encourage your friends to do the same we want to make the show bigger better and uh, have a lot more a lot more fun with it as we continue on with real ghost stories online all right wrapping up this week's episode my name is tony bruski thank you so much for listening